0: Now, we're in John chapter number 15. If you want to start turning there in your Bibles, John chapter number 15. We've been walking through the gospel of John for the last several weeks, uh, and this is one of my life verses in this passage. Now, how many of you like to watch like uh, Dr. Pimple Popper on TV? Anybody with me on that? Yeah, there's a lot of sickos in the room. Awesome, okay. Charity hates it when I watch that because I tend to like to watch that right before I fall asleep at night. I have no idea why. I mean, it's like I'm about to lay down, close my eyes, and I say to myself, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch an abscess be lanced with a scalpel. That's what I'd like to fall asleep to at night. Now, what's, what's interesting about that show to me is these four people come with just terrible abscesses and, and gross, and most of the time, they can go under the knife and be fixed in an instant like that. I mean, most of the time within the episode itself, and the episode's only like 20 minutes, they can fix whatever ailment that this person had, yet they they walked with this problem and this condition most of the time for years before they finally said, I need to go take care of whatever it is. I I would like to believe that if I started having a growth on my arm that needed to be lanced, I would wait until I could have put my shirt on anymore to actually go see the doctor, but I suspect that most of us would avoid actually going until it was what? The last possible moment because a lot of times our way we approach problems in life is to ignore the problem verse is actually dealing with the problem. And today, Jesus is going to be telling us that sometimes we need to come to him to allow a pruning of our hearts so that we don't have to walk in the problems that we've had in the past and that we can be fruitful for the future. So in a spiritual sense, what we all need to do is we need to go to the great physician and have different ailments in our life pruned and lanced and taken care of so that we can be fruitful and walk in freedom that God has for us. So if you have your Bibles, John, chapter number 15. We're going to start in verse number one and we're going to read the first seven verses. And here's what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He, it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and branches are gathered up and they are thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, I started this sermon with the analogy of a dermatologist, and Jesus is basically speaking a metaphor of a grapevine and the branches. Now, obviously, his metaphor is considerably better than mine, but what is Jesus trying to explain to us here? Well, if you were here last week, Jesus was talking to his disciples. This conversation has never ended. It's a continuation of John chapter number 14, and he told the disciples in John 14 that he intended to dwell with those disciples through the Holy Spirit. Now, this sounds pretty serious. The Spirit of God dwelling with his people is indeed a mystery for most of us, and the question that we should ask ourselves is this, what should be the results of our life If the Holy Spirit is dwelling with us and among us. And Jesus is answering that question here. He is trying to teach the disciples how the indwelling is going to practically play out within their life. Jesus is speaking to men whom he has walked with for three years. He is speaking to men who have watched his miracles and heard his teaching. They have examined his life. And yet... They still need a reminder from their Lord that they are to remain in his word and he is to remain in them. So Jesus is commanding them to plug into the vine, which is... Himself. Now, if the disciples who walked with Jesus every single day needed this reminder from the Lord, then how much more important and applicable is it for us today that we need to be plugged into the source of life, which is Jesus Christ. And that is the big idea of this message. We will either produce fruit or we're going to produce thorns. And where we are rooted in life is going to, is going to dictate the harvest that we produce. Now, this sounds like a simple message. And I can hear some of you saying in your mind already, Well, Austin, of course I need to remain in Christ. I I come to church every week. I sing the songs. I I raise my hands. I understand that. However, I would encourage you with this. Before you write this message off as a message for someone else, let me challenge you with a thought. Little things always make big things happen. I was reading an article this last week about Nick Saban, the coach for for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and obviously his, his reputation goes before him. He's won countless championships, and he was talking about the necessity of the process. And you start thinking, well, there's got to be some secret ingredient to how Nick Saban is winning all these championships. No, his process is very simple. We're going to practice the same way, the same time, the same week, every single week, or as long as football season is going on. We're going to commit ourselves to practicing because if we, if we engage in the process, then we think we will see championships. And obviously they have seen a lot of championships. So their consistency And repetition has produced fruit on the field. And spiritually speaking, for every single one of us as Christians, when we go through the process of allowing ourselves to be placed at the Father's feet, saying, God, I need you to prune my heart so I can produce more fruit for you, then and only then are we going to produce true fruit in our life. Now, some of you today might be in a situation where you do not feel fruitful. Have you ever been there before in your life where you feel spiritually stuck or perhaps you feel stuck in life? Is anybody here except for just me? I have been through those seasons in life where I have felt stuck, where I have not been able to move and thorns are starting to be produced in my life. What do I need to do in those seasons? I need to go back to the gardener and let him prune my heart so I can be fruitful again. There's times, there's there's evidence of thorns that start to arise in our hearts. We start to bigger with our husband or our wife. We start to snap at other people in our life. We don't have the same spiritual fervor that we did before. We we notice that the slant of our heart is starting to change. These, these things that all of us are familiar with, when those thorns start to be produced in our life, it's time for a pruning. Now, the other side of that coin is perhaps you're here in a season where you feel like there's been a lot of pruning in your life or where lots of things have been removed from your life and you're in a place of frustration. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're there, and it seems like every time you turn around, something that you thought was going to happen didn't happen. It seems like God is just taking things away from you. He's not bringing anything into your life, and you're, you're sitting there questioning, God, what are you doing? Because it feels like there's a lot of pruning in my heart, and it's starting to hurt. I'm getting, I'm getting tired of this process in our life. The reality is we are consistently going through one of those two processes, where God's removing things from our life so that there can be new growth, Or God is removing the old dead thorns on our life so we can produce fruit. And the truth of the matter is, no matter if you've been following Jesus for five minutes or for 50 years, none of us get to retire from this process. Jesus chose the vineyard as the point of illustration. And it's the perfect metaphor to show how Jesus and the Father work within our life. Now, within the first six or seven verses, there is a, 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 a highlighting of the cast of characters within this metaphor, and then he goes on from 7 to 17, and he explains the process of the pruning in our life. And I want to work at, look at the first half first this morning, where Jesus gives us the cast of characters. Who are the cast of characters in the process of pruning in our life? Well, the first is this. is Jesus himself, and Jesus said, I am the true vine. Jesus starts out by saying that he is the true vine, the true vine. And the point is immediately clear to all of us, that Jesus is both the source of physical and spiritual life. He's the only source that's able to sustain us. He's the only source able to uphold us with whatever life throws at us. What do vines do? Vines support branches. One of the coolest things I think to see is one of those old houses where the, the vine has grown up on the side of the house and it covers the, the, the entire side of the house. I think that is one of the coolest things where perhaps you go to some of these old rock buildings that were built around the Depression era and these vines have started growing up off the, on the side of them and maybe an old college campus or something like that. I think that is one of the coolest things that you can see. It's just, it just It just strikes me right. I like it. And so if I had unlimited money, I'd have a house with vines growing up the side of it and a freezer full of bacon because I think those are just... Complement one another well, okay? I'm a simple man. There's not a lot that I need. A house of vines and bacon, okay? And that, that takes care of everything else. Now, what's amazing is to me, when you look at those houses where the vines grow up off the side of it, is that there is, tends to be just one or two roots that go into the ground, one or two stems that are supporting that entire vine. It's one vine with a lot of branches. And if you started to dig through there, and you were to get to the source of that vine... And you were to go down to the ground and you were to cut it off at the ground, what would happen to that vine? Given a couple days, the entire thing would die. Why? Because the branches cannot be supported if it's not connected to the vine. And so Jesus said, I am the true vine. And we have to understand something and immediately, if we realize it or not, without Christ, we are dead and without hope. Just as if we were to cut that branch from the vine, that it would die. So too, when we are cut off from Christ, we are dead. And the branches cannot do anything apart from the vine. Now, Jesus also said that he is the true vine. And that word true is very interesting to me because if there can be true vines, then that must mean that there can also be False vines. And unfortunately, for many Christians, we look towards false vines for hope in our life and security in our life. And the usual suspects come to the surface. If, if we have enough money and we have the right a love interest in our life and the right career and the right relationships and the right stuff, then I will be supported and happy. But none of those things are, are ever going to bring to source to our life. We need to be connected to the vine who is Christ. So if we're ever feeling spiritually or emotionally or physically drained, the very first question we need to ask ourselves is this, am I truly connected to Christ? And then we need to sit there and we need to ponder that question in our life. Am I connected to Christ? Am I connected to Christ? I heard a man say one time, he said, if you're ever feeling spiritually burnt out, there's probably one of two options. And I don't know if this is universal, but I bet 95% of times we could fall into one of these two options. It's either A, you're doing something God has not called you to do, or you're not connected to the vine, or you're trying to do something God's called you to do in your own ability and not under God's ability. And I think what we see from this passage is that would be true. When we're in the vine, we produce fruit, and apart from the vine, we can do nothing. So if there feels like a lot of nothing in your life, the first question you need to ask yourself is, am I connected to the vine? Now, the second, the second key piece in this metaphor is the Father. God is the vine dresser. Now in the Middle East, particularly this part of the world is particularly suited for vineyards. Grapevines grow very well over there and they grow in rows and they plant them approximately 10 feet apart. And even at that distance where they're so spread out, they will grow so well that they need consistent pruning and constant pruning from the vine dresser. So the gardener is always being vigilant over the plants to make sure and apply the proper amount of pruning so that they can be healthy and fruitful. And here's what we see from our Father in this passage is that God is the perfect vine dresser for our life because God has the wisdom and He has the power and He has the foreknowledge to know exactly what you and I need in our life. You and I might not be adequate to know what we need. We might not have the power to bring what we need to come to pass, and we might not even have the wisdom to apply it. But God, as the vine dresser, has all of those things. He has the wisdom, He has the knowledge, and He has the power to help you and to prune you so that you can produce fruit in life. He is fully intended on making you the healthiest version that he can make you. All of us need an attentive vine dresser constantly examining our lives, so we can have health in life. And only God is qualified and credentialed to be our vine dresser. Now, if you put me in charge of a vineyard, you know what's going to happen? It's going to get out of control and it's going to be unhealthy because I don't have the skills to do that. You know what else I don't have the skills for? I don't have the skills to prune my own heart and to make myself healthy. None of us have the ability to make ourselves healthy. We need a vine dresser. My wisdom, my knowledge is limited in this life. God's is limitless. Now, I think there's some, this, At this point, it'd be important to discuss the motives of the vine dresser. Why is the vine dresser tending to the branches? And the answer is very simple. Because the vine dresser wants the branches to be healthy. The vine dresser has nothing to gain and everything to lose by neglecting the vine. He has nothing to gain and everything to lose by being cruel to the branches or to improperly prune those branches. You might be in a season where God is pruning your heart, and it hurts, and you've turned to God, and you say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you leading me through this season where it seems like everything is being removed from my life, where you're constantly putting your finger on my heart? It hurts, and it frankly is getting overwhelming, and it's getting heavy. I'm uncomfortable. We all go through seasons where God is pruning our heart, and sometimes it hurts, and it feels overwhelming, and we feel like he's cutting too deep. But in those seasons, we have to remember that God knows what he is doing, and he is leading us through the pruning process for our benefit and for our health. Through the rest of this message, we have to remember that the vine dresser, our Father in heaven, has our best intentions at heart, and he has nothing to gain and everything to lose by hurting you and by wounding you and by improperly managing and pruning you. The third part of this equation is us. We are the branches. Now, there are two types of branches mentioned in this passage. Fruitful, alive branches and unhealthy, dead branches. Those are two types of disciples. Either there are fruitful disciples, disciples who are are producing fruit and reflecting the image and the glory of God, or you are spiritually and dead and you're not producing anything that God has called you to, to produce. And Jesus tells us that alive branches are the ones who are producing the fruit And the result of their fruitfulness is that they're going to be pruned even more so they can bear even more fruit. The unfruitful branches are cut off because they are already dead and there's nothing there that's going to bring forth any fruit. The question is this, are we fruitful or are we dead? And if we're fruitful, then what we are to expect is that God is going to prune our hearts even more. This is why as you go through the process where you start loving Jesus more, you go to church. Think about it. We've all been there before. You go to church and you're like, you know what? I need to start doing things right. And you start loving Jesus and you start loving Jesus. And then it seems like it turns around and you can start getting convicted for things that you never got convicted for before. Why is that? Because God is pruning your heart so that you can reflect him and you can accomplish the purpose he has for you. Now pruning sounds like punishment. However, that'd be a misunderstanding of the metaphor. Pruning is the most loving thing that the vine dresser can do for the branches. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Jesus is divine. God is a vine dresser. And we get brought in to be fruitful. What does it mean then to be pruned? We've been talking about this pruning process. What does that actually mean? Many speculate that the pruning Jesus is speaking of is a reference to two different pruning seasons of a grapevine. The first season is cutting off the old dead growth, and the second is trimming of the wild shoots that suck nourishment from the good branches. And this would make sense in the life of a Christian, because as a Christian, there are dead things in our life that are, are, are a result of sin. You know, we have sin and temptation and wild thoughts and bad attitudes and all those things that are dead that have to be removed from our lives so that we can be fruitful. But then there are times where we have wild shoots. We have distractions. We have things in our life that have come and started to take away from the purpose that we have in life. We have, we have distractions. We have things that come in and start to try to knock us off track. We have worries and busyness. Those two have to be removed and pruned so that God can do something great in our life. And here's the thing we have to understand. While pruning is painful, it's necessary to growth. None of us can grow apart from Christ or the pruning process. It's not a punishment. It's a help. Your family needs you to be pruned. Your coworker needs you to be pruned. Your mission that God has assigned for you, that mission requires you to go through pruning process. You can't be the father, the husband you're called to be if there's death and there's distraction in your life. You can't be the mother and the wife God has called you to if there's death and distraction in your life. You can't be the Christian God's called you to when there's an overwhelming rebellious sinfulness in your heart or when you are so busy with the cares of this world that you can't focus on what God's called you to do. There has to be a pruning process. Now, here's the good thing that we need to recognize in this. When those things come to us and that pruning starts, that means God sees potential and purpose inside of you. God sees potential and purpose inside of your life. God is not content with you staying on the vine while producing very little fruit. As one scholar said, God is ruthlessly determined to prune and shape you into something better than you currently are. Ain't that good news? God is leading us through a process to be more like His Son. And as another person said, God is more concerned about your fruitfulness than your comfort. Now, I know there's been times in my own life where I have felt the weight of that. The pruning process always takes place, according to Jesus, through His Word. When you start submitting yourself to the Word and you expose yourself to the Word, it starts to change and cleanse your heart. What is critical to understand out of this passage is that Jesus said this, already you're clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Jesus' word is the cleansing agent. It's the pruning agent. That's why it's so vital for us to submit ourselves to the word of God as we start reading this and it starts to absorb into our hearts. It starts to change us. It starts to prune us from the inside out. It starts to help us to be more like Christ. We are to dwell with him according to this passage. He says, I want to dwell with you and I want you to dwell with me. That word is so significant because it's like a, an active dwelling. It's, it's where you're intentionally and actively placing yourself in the word of God and allowing that to start to dwell in you, so it starts to shape you and starts to mold you. It's a, it's a mutual abiding where Christ is in your life and you're in His presence and in His will. starts to change you and make you into His image. When Knox was little, he... Used to love to play with Play-Doh. Anybody have Play-Doh in their carpet from the kids that you can't get out? Yeah, that Play-Doh gets everywhere. Knox used to play with Play-Doh when he was little and Play-Doh in and of itself is just stinky clay, you know, that's kind of has a little bit of grease to it. And he had these molds and they looked like Ninja Turtles. And you take the Play-Doh and you put it on the mold and you press the mold together. And when you open the mold, that Plato that looked like stinky mud before starts to resemble a ninja turtle now. And in some ways, that's what it's like for us. When we submit ourselves to the Word of God, we start to get molded into His image. The critical difference, though, is this, is that when that Plato went into the mold and that little ninja turtle came out, it was still Plato. I could take it and I could crush it, and it turns back into Plato like that. The difference is this, that the mutual abiding aspect is important because when I submit myself to this Word, I start to get conformed and molded to the image of Christ. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in my heart, I start to get changed from the inside out. So I'm not just pressed into His image. I'm starting to be changed and pruned, and my heart is starting to reflect that of Christ. Remaining and abiding is not an emotional state. It's a fixed reality where God is with me, And I'm submitting myself to him. And the guarantee from our Savior is that we will produce fruit. Now, pause real quick because there's a really interesting thing that we should be noted here. Jesus is basically giving an invitation to the world to examine the fruit of his self-proclaimed disciples. He's saying, if you're one of my disciples, you're going to bear fruit. And by by saying that, he's basically saying, world, if someone claims to be my follower, I want you to look at them. Because if they're producing fruit, they're mine. If they're not, they're not mine. The world might utter the words, do not judge me. However, as believers, we are inviting the world to look at our hearts and to look at our fruits and see if we practice what we preach. So if this process of pruning is so wonderful, then why are we resistant to the vine dresser? And the answer is this, because we know that pruning is painful and requires humility Pruning requires a sharp blade and some pain in the life of the branches. When Christ conforms us to his image, that means it changes our desires. It changes our ambitions. It changes our attitudes. It changes our agenda. And those things hurt from time to time. Furthermore, we innately know that God's commitment to our spiritual condition is higher than our commitment to our comfort. And so he's going to consistently work on our life to change us and to produce us into his image. So that's the cast of characters. That's how God intends to work in your life and my life. The question then becomes, is what is this fruit that he wants us to bear? Well, he tells us in verses seventeen through 7 through 17, he says this, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There you go, an invitation to examine our fruit. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you can keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another. So as I have loved you, greater love has none than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friend's. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for that you, I have heard from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, that I, that he may give to you these things I command so that you will love one another. In short, the fruit that God is calling us to produce is a life that resembles the life of Christ. The fruit bearing happens through obedience where God's love starts to motivate us where we come and we reciprocate that love to him through our obedience. And he starts to tell us what fruit we should produce in this passage. We should produce fruit of the spirit. Jesus tells us when we're plugged into the vine that there'll be full joy What would full joy look like in your life? What would full joy look like in your relationships and your purpose? Joy in Christ is inseparable from knowing who He is and allowing Him to change your life. We all know the passage in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit versus the the work of the flesh, and when we start to look at our hearts, sometimes we're producing more flesh than we are producing fruit of the Spirit. But we know verse 22, it says this in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The question is this, what would produce more joy in your life? The fruit of the Spirit or living our way? That's how Jesus said, I want your joy to be full. Full joy comes from allowing the Father to prune our hearts so we can produce fruit of the Spirit. Second thing we see out of this, he says there's going to be fruit of answered prayers. Another very interesting aspect of remaining on the vine is that there are answered prayers. Jesus says in verse 7, if you remain to me, you can ask anything you want and it can be done. Some of you have been praying very hard for the Sooners this year because we're winning very, very, very tight football games. So at least we know there are some people praying for the Oklahoma Sooners to win football games. Please don't stop. We'd like to win a championship sometime in our lifetime. What does it mean? When it says that there's going to be answered prayers, what is Jesus talking about? Does this mean that we can go pray for a new house and boom, we have a new house or we can pray for a brand new truck and boom, we get it. What does it mean to pray for anything that we ask? We have to understand the context of this. When you're plugged into the vine, you're dwelling in Christ. He's dwelling in you and the father's pruning your heart. Your prayers are no longer self-centered. You're praying for the will of the father. The Holy Spirit starts to direct your prayers. And so when you're praying, now you're praying for the things that God desires you to pray for. You're starting to pray in accordance to His will. You're praying in accordance to His words. You're starting to pray in a way that glorifies the Father and doesn't bring satisfaction to our own selfish desires. That only happens when we're in the vine. You know, a lot of times the things we pray for are rooted in our own worry. We have fear and we have worry, and so we start to pray. Sometimes those are legitimate, but let's be honest. I know in my own personal life, there's a lot of things that have kept me up at night that never were going to come to pass. But when I'm in Christ and he starts to prune my heart, my confidence is in the vine because I know where my source is. And so my prayer life starts to change, and I start to pray for things that bring him glory and honor. Lastly, if the worship team wants to come back, the last fruit that we produce is we produce fruit of love for our neighbors. The fruit of the Christian life can be none other than love. Jesus set this example and this pattern for us when he said, greater love has no one than this and lay down your life for someone else. And he went through with that. He went to the cross. When he went to the cross, he raised a high bar for us. Love is our new identity. It's our new actions, how we approach life. So how can I show love to my brothers and my sisters? There are countless ways in which we can practice this. We can practice it through reconciliation of transgressions, through generosity, through giving of one's time. Simply serving each other is a way in which to show love. But true love can only be motivated and can only be accomplished when what? We're plugged into the vine. Because when we're plugged in the vine, then we learn how to love the difficult people in our life. we're plugged into the vine, then we start to see how Jesus responded to us, and we can reciprocate that to people who are hostile towards us. Next week, we're going to be in John 16, and we're going to be looking at how we live in a hostile world. Jesus is going to say, everybody's going to hate you. How do you live like that when everybody hates you? You live when only you're plugged into the source, which is Jesus Christ himself. Love needs to be the marker and the indicator. It's the fruit that God has called us to produce. Now, when you read a passage like this and you start to look at it, you start to say, man, God, this is serious. The gravity of this passage is very heavy. Remain in me, I will remain in you. If you're producing fruit, you're going to get prunes that you produce even more fruit. If you're not producing fruit dead branches are cut off I mean there's a lot of weight and a lot of gravity to this and I've experienced this weight and this gravity time and time again in my own life because this verse has been a, a passage that God has used in my own life numerous times I told you at the very beginning this has kind of been a life passage for me over the last several years what did I mean by that remember the first time that God used this to touch my heart still a youth pastor this was about three four years ago I had my youth leaders up at the church and we were getting ready to start the launch of the new year and we were teaching out of this passage to them and I said here's what we're going to do we're going to pray for a while and then we're going to ask God God what do you want to cut away from my heart now that's a scary prayer and I said it's going to be scary to pray that prayer because you don't get to dictate what God might put his finger on there might be some things in your life that you don't realize that God wants to remove so that you can be more fruitful it might be good or bad I said there's two types of pruning. There's death. That's the obvious stuff. But then there's the wild shoots. There are things in our life that are distracting us that we are not even aware of that are keeping us from being fruitful. And so anyways, being the good youth pastor that I was, I go start praying. I'm praying, and frankly, I'm praying and saying, God, I want you to disappoint these kids' hearts. You know, prune away, Lord. And I'm praying, and I felt like God dropped something in my own heart. Now, if I tell you what it is, you're going to think it's stupid. I had a particular rifle that I was in love with, okay, and I kid you not. Now, you might think I'm trying to make a joke. I'm not making a joke. I was praying, and I felt very clearly. God said, "Why don't you sell that rifle and give that money to speed the light?" Okay, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to." I mean, seriously, I'm walking around like I don't want to do that. You guys think I'm joking. I'm not. I was I was, I was praying. I remember I was, the sanctuary was set so up a little bit different. I was walking along this wall. And so I start to negotiate with the Lord. Okay, I said, God, if you want some money, why don't I just give you the money that I could get out of selling the rifle? Makes sense in my mind, right? And as I'm praying, it became abundantly clear to me. It wasn't about the money. It was about pruning distractions from my own heart. Am I going to hold on to my stuff? More than I'm gonna hold on to Christ. Simple as that. Let me read this again, and I want you to think about my own. I am the vine dresser, my father, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be more fruitful. So in this moment, God's like, which do you truly love? Me? Or do you love your stuff? So then, I had told my youth students that when we got back together, we would share what God laid on our hearts. And this is going to sound stupid to you, but I knew in that moment when I got back to that circle with my kids, I had to tell them what I felt like the Lord laid on my heart or I was never going to follow through with it. And in that moment, I had a realization that my stuff had a grip on my heart that I didn't even realize was there. It had a grip on my heart that I didn't even know was present. So I went back and I told them that, and what was super frustrating is I went ahead and followed through. I put it online, and I was able to sell it, and I gave that money to speak alike just like I felt like the Lord had told me. But I learned something about myself in that moment. That was one of the hardest processes I had been through in a long time. You know why? Because I had some distraction. I had some old growth in my heart that needed to be cut out. Now, here's the temptation when you look at a passage like this. It's very easy to look at it and say, yep, I want to remain in Christ's hands. Yep, I want to be plugged into the vine. Jesus, you can have it all. It's very easy to take a passive approach to a passage like this. It's a lot more difficult to sit down and submit yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to put myself at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to say, God, do you want to prune anything from my heart? And then be quiet and listen if he says anything to my life. That's really difficult. The reason why that's difficult is because we don't get to dictate what he tells us. Just as I was praying, I didn't get to dictate about the rifle. So too, we don't get to dictate what God touches in our hearts. So in that moment, we start to examine our own motive. What do we want more? Do we want to be fruitful for Jesus? Or do we want to walk in our comfort? Now, there's a whole other group of us in this room today. Maybe you're here and there's been a lot of things that have just been cut away out of your life. For me, John 15 started being that verse that started that process with the rifle. But what was interesting is over the next year and a half, there was lots of different seasons that this verse came up in my life in unique ways in which I felt like I was losing things. And I didn't understand at the time, but now in retrospect, what I see is that God was pruning my heart, getting me prepared so that I could come here and be in this place at this time. But I didn't recognize it in that time. So i that have to say this, if you're here today, and we've walked through this, and you're like, man, it could be either one, and both are applicable to your life in that season. But when those moments come, you have to submit yourself to the vine dresser, and you have to say, yes, Lord, take everything that I have.